Welcome to the golden hour. This is a deeply human space, or maybe just for a few minutes, you can arrive, you can relax, and you can just be. Today, we're talking about pain as a prison or pain as a portal. Do you feel like you're stuck in the hallway of your life? Maybe for you, there's this old, old story, this deep pain that you've come to face in the last couple of years. I know we've all had to face deep parts of ourselves since 2020. And maybe that became the door that really opened for you to examine things. Those old things, those were the doorway you took to get inside to this new place. And yet, here you are, years, months, days later, standing in the hallway, frozen. This is not your fault. It's very highly likely that no one in your life ever made it safe for you to express or experience your felt sensations, your emotions, even your physicality. Our nervous system is imprinted for safety, and safety is what is familiar. And the way we learn what is safe is in one of two ways, by modeling or experiencing. Both of these things are programmed in early modeling and experiencing both are so early and it happens by our mothers and our grandmothers and cultural programming of what it means to be a woman maybe for you it was stay quiet women don't speak in church don't say anything maybe for you it wasn't just stay quiet maybe it was that we had an angry mother and our mother was loud and scary and so we made a vow to ourselves that we would not be like her. So maybe the modeling showed the opposite of what you wanted to be, and we overcompensated by pleasing and perfection and suppressing and shaming our anger. Anger is simply a messenger of what we're passionate about when we're allowed to be free. But maybe for you, you made a vow that you would never be like her. And maybe for some of us, it's not that we were told to stay quiet from either of those messages. But maybe some of what you caught is that searching for more of yourself or to want anything new or different was frivolous, maybe bad, wasteful, selfish. And if that was you, you were inherently wrong. This is not a conversation today to blame mothers because I know for a fact that mothers have been historically under-resourced and our relationship to motherhood can martyr us more, or it can give you the permission to uncover and unlock more freedom. Sadly, what I've seen a lot of, and I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I've seen a lot of martyrhood when it comes to mothers. This is just the generational inheritance that we as women have been given and handed time and time again. And this whole idea of mothering could be the permission slip to uncover and unlock more freedom, if I had to guess, you might be the very first one in your family line. And maybe it's because the time that you were born, what's available to you, the conversations have changed in this generation of mothers. Maybe it's that you were born for such a time as this to turn the pain into the portal for every woman that's gone behind and before you. It's important. Obviously, we know it's important because our kids breathe in our oxygen. 
they remember not what we got them for Christmas, not how well we kept the house clean, not what your outfit looked like, not if you were the class mom. What they really remember deep into their pores is how their body feels when they're close to you. If their nervous system can relax and regulate because you're a relaxed and regulated system that they can borrow and synthesize with. They remember if connection was available and if it was how that connection felt. They remember the way you treated yourself. That's what they will remember. And just for this moment, I want you to listen to those words. I want you to take those words in as a daughter. You remember what it felt like to be close to your mother. You remember the connection if it was available. And if not, what did you do instead? You remember the way your mother treated herself. That's what you remember. For a lot of us, as I speak those words, there might be some disenfranchised or displaced grief. That means that we had a mother, she was there, but something was missing. Oftentimes, something that can't be named. Because if we name it, are we disrespectful? Are we ungrateful? Are we disloyal? The thing about healing is half the healing, more than half, is in the naming. To really name, we have to first be able to notice ourselves. We have to notice the story of what it feels like to be inside of our body. Whenever someone says, how does it feel? Or what do you need? Or what do you want? Sometimes the knee-jerk reaction be like, well, I don't have time to think about how I feel. I have too much to do. Who has time for that? We've got things to do, which I wonder where that came from. Noticing yourself. I remember about five or six years ago, I'd been going to therapy weekly for years about the marriage I was in at the time. And I would always go alone. And that was interesting because it was marriage counseling, but I was by myself. Toward the end of that time, she said, Becca, I want you to not come back for a while. I want you to get out of my chair, quit talking about this story and rehashing the story. And I want you to get into your body and how it feels to be in your story. I was so concerned with my daughter not being a child of divorce that I was martyring myself without any noticing of how it actually felt for me. And if that felt that way for me, it definitely felt that way for her, my daughter. So my relationship to motherhood in those years was totally martyrhood. Dying on the cross for the way a story looked instead of the way a story actually felt to live. My counselor saying that gave me permission to uncover and unlock more freedom. And the way that I did that in that season is she said, I want you to go to an integrative body worker. Basically, it's trauma massage. So a mother who's pretty much single, taking the time to spend money and resources and hours on deep trauma massage, so luxurious and also so vulnerable. But just that act of booking that appointment and spending what it costs and driving the 45 minutes and taking the day to do that, just that is an act of rebellion. When what we've seen women, if we've seen women, pass down scarcity. And we don't have to get scarcity out to heal. We simply get to introduce something new. This idea of what it could feel like 
Maybe it could feel like ease. Maybe it could feel a little lighter in our bodies. Maybe if we actually got connected to the somatic experience of how it feels to get into our body, maybe then we could do something about it. That's unlocking freedom. That changes the vibration of the oxygen that my daughter breathes when she's around me. And that uncovers and unfolds more for her to access. Another part of healing besides noticing yourself is being able to name it, naming it in an embodiment. We can sit and rant and complain and have righteous indignation all day long of how everyone that wronged us and we sound like a martyr. But when we are able to notice ourselves and really connect to that experience, fully be able to healthily feel our emotions and name it not only to ourselves and how that actually felt, but maybe to a regulated empathetic witness, a compassionate witness who can say, I know it's not your fault. I'm so sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. And with that comes the repair, the repair that I'm so sorry you ever had to feel that way. You ever had to experience that thing. Oftentimes though, the naming of our pain as a woman maybe to our own mothers, opens this door for them to name how their pain was worse. And that's how we model or experience what it means to find the courage to name and notice our pain. When we turn toward another for that repair and we're told or we're met with how their pain was worse, and maybe it was, yet in that moment, we need a mother to see, to look deeply into the eyes of the young girl within you to call out the beauty and the deep worth. We don't want the mother that we're seeking repair from to run away pretending that she didn't see or to tell us how it was our fault or we should have known better or that we should have felt what she had to go through. No, we want someone to come and sit on the side of our bed to look deeply into our eyes and to really see and to reassure and to get to know and to say, tell me more. Tell me what happened. Who was there? How did that feel? I'm so sorry. You never deserved that. Pain can be a portal. It can be an invitation. Care for ourselves in a new way. It can be an opportunity to seek support and guidance and nurturing in healing ways that we've never even thought. Pain can also be a prison. If we go off the old blueprint It's been passed down for generations. We may keep doing the same. We may keep suppressing and bypassing and ignoring and projecting. And all the while, there's a little girl inside of you waiting to be rescued. But here's the thing. You're standing in the hallway frozen. No one is coming to rescue you. The most important thing you will ever do is to put one foot in front of the other toward noticing yourself, nurturing yourself, finding your needs, finding your voice, and taking relentless action to heal what it feels like to be in your body. What if your pain is inviting you to take a look, a deeper look, and to take a step out of that hallway towards the crack of light with relentless action to kneel by the bed of the little girl that's within you to really see what she lost. Not so you can blame or wallow in it, but so that you can be a compassionate witness 
while also showing her what else is possible. Because right now, all she knows, all your nervous system knows is what's familiar. And there is no shame in that. But there is pain. Pain in not introducing anything new and pain in the story that is repeating. But it doesn't have to. You can make it safe. You can make it safe for yourself. You can make it safe for your body. You can make it safe for how you connect to other people. You can rebuild trust. You can make it safe for how you feel. And you can make it safe for what you want to co-create with God as your legacy. Not because it really matters what other people think of you or how other people perceive you, but because it matters how you feel in your lifetime. There is so much limitless love to give and receive. And it's so unkind for you to have to shoulder this all alone. What else could be possible? What if your pain, what if your motherhood, whether it's mothering a child or remothering yourself, could be a portal to your freedom? What then? There's so much love to give and receive. And I hope you can give yourself a little bit of love today. Thank you so much for listening to the Golden Hour Podcast. I feel like you just came into my living room. We kicked our shoes off, got cozy, and had a cup of coffee together. I hope you did too. If you want to keep this conversation going or you're looking for more information about the work that I do in my coaching containers, you can find everything in the show notes at the bottom. Of course, y'all, let's connect on Instagram at Becca Gaskin and shoot me a DM if something in this podcast resonated with you. I would love to hear so much. Don't forget, there will never be another you and no one, I mean no one, can take care of you as good as you can. You don't have to be rescued. You have everything that you need. I love you more than coffee and I'll see you next time.